This is American Real, where we aim to inspire, empower, and enlighten you through the stories of our guests. Here's your host, Roger Brooks. What's the biggest challenge that all businesses face, in your opinion? Companies need to be more customer-focused and more innovative. That's what I have found throughout my career. And if you just look at businesses throughout history, the ones that really rise to the top, the ones that stay there long-term, they have those two things in common. They invest in knowing their customers and they have this culture of innovation where let's try something different. Let's find new ways of serving our customers. Let's not have that phrase, this is how we do it around here in our company. So they're intentional about being customer centric and innovative. So the biggest problem that businesses face is creating that. And what they end up with is indifferent customers. This is American Real. I am Roger Brooks. My guest today is Dennis Geelan. You are the founder and principal consultant of Zero In, as well as the best-selling author of the Zero In Formula and creator of the Zero In Innovation Board Game. You enjoy helping companies disrupt their industry through customer-centric innovation, and you are a recent graduate of David Breyer's Brand Intervention Masterclass. Dennis, welcome to the show. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, uh, Roger. Just delighted to be here. Likewise, I appreciate it. And let's start with the masterclass because it's something you just came out of not mm -hmm. too long ago. And I would love to get your take, first of all, on how you connected with David Breyer and then how you got introduced to his uh, brand intervention masterclass. Yeah, it, it, it's funny. When I started Zero In a few years ago, um, I knew I had no background in things like branding, marketing, sales. Once I got a client to work with, no, no problem. Um, so I was well aware branding was something I needed to, um, to really think about and learn about and apply to my business. And I started looking around. LinkedIn is, is my social network of choice and came across David's profile loved what I was seeing, loved his messages, reached out and connected. And lo and behold, he had a masterclass coming up. And I was like, okay, the stars are aligning here. This is, this is perfect. That's awesome. And timing is everything, isn't it? If, but you have yeah. to be looking for those signs too. Yeah. So awesome. So um, now walk us through, because obviously when, when you get into these programs and you have your own online program, which we're going to talk about today, but it's, I'm sure it's always a, um, a thought of, you know, I wonder what this is going to be like, especially something eight or nine weeks like Davis yeah. program, which yeah. is, by the way, part of our American Real brand. But um, what did you think about how it started? And then, you know, take us through the journey of it and, and how it ended up for you. Sure. I mean, anytime you're investing time and money in your business, there's this sense of okay is this really what i need is this going to deliver what i need it to um so probably like most people you go in with a healthy sense of skepticism you know am i really going to get out of this what i need to and uh boy i was uh, bl blown away it was just the ability to unlock a whole different way of, of seeing your brand 
um, how your customers will see you and your brand, how you need to message, how you need to present yourself uh, and your brand. And uh, it, it was exactly what I needed without knowing this is exactly what I needed, right? So I, and when you add on top of that, just the ability to connect with all these other people going through a similar process and hearing their thoughts, their opinions, their struggles um, just made it even 10 times more enriching. So take us through the ending of it. Now, did you have something in mind that you wanted to accomplish specifically with this program or were you looking for a broader stroke of, you know, I guess, branding advice on how to grow in, in different areas? For, for me, it was all about how do I stand out? I, I'm a author and consultant. If you go on LinkedIn, there's probably a million others of me. So why would anybody pay attention to me? Why would anybody want to hear my message? What is unique or different about me? And before the masterclass, I would say not much. I was blending in. What I really learned through the masterclass was to how to have a voice that's different and unique, a message that stands out from uh, other consultants, a different way of approaching, a different way of, of differentiating who I am and what I bring to the table. And that, that was huge for me. And uh, I didn't realize that's what I needed. If I go back to what we talked about, I thought I just needed a brand and you know a, a way of getting that out there. No, no, no. It was, how is my brand different? And what David brought to us over and over and over again is different is better than better. Don't just claim to be the best. Don't just claim to be better. Find what's different about you. And then here's all these different ways that you can show that and really announce that differentiator to the world. And that was huge for me. Dennis, is that something you could share with us, like one of your differentiators that you didn't have, say, before the program, but something that you were able to tune into as the program went on? And, and again, you know, post-program, what you've now implemented and as we start talking yeah. about the, your actual program that you put into place. For sure. I would say prior to the master class, I would tell everybody, hey, I help companies be more customer-centric and innovative, which is true. Uh, but that's me speaking my language. What I learned through David was, what is it that the problem is the customer, or in my case, other businesses that I'm working with, how would they describe that problem? And how can you use their language? So through going through the process of, of the brand masterclass with David, I, I learned to speak a whole different language. And in the end, it came out being, no, no, I help you conquer indifference, right? You don't want indifferent employees. You want people who are passionate about coming to work each day. You don't want customers who just see you as an option. You want customers who love your brand, your products, and your services. So I really honed it into the word indifference. I help companies conquer indifference. And that is a whole different message. That's very different than what you're hearing about other customer experience or innovation consultants who just say, I help you be more innovative. It's I help you conquer indifference. And, and now I'm really jumping off that. And that's been a whole uh, light bulb of new ideas coming at me just because of that different way of looking at it. That's so awesome. And is that something you came up on your own? Is that something that you received feedback on from the group or, or David in particular? How that Because it's really strong and I applaud you, but just curious more than anything, how 
did you actually land there? It, it was something that was kind of lying under the surface. I, I kind of knew, but didn't uncover it until David's prompting, the different modules that Davis took us, David took us through, and then the conversations with different um, business owners and leaders in the masterclass and seeing what they were doing and their messaging. And that's when I uncovered it. It was there all along. I just had to discover that's what my brand is. So it, it, long story short, it was a journey um, and, and it was everything combined that allowed me to finally uh, uncover that nugget. And I know it's an eight or nine week program. Do you know about how long through the program it took to uncover that piece of it? I, I would say probably by week uh, six or seven, I was really honing in on that. And then the last couple of weeks, it was now really defining it. I played with some different words, some different messaging, and it was really, um, really refining that into a way that resonates with my audience. And David kind of takes you through that as well. Teach some things to other people, have some conversations, you know, pilot some things, play things off people and see what resonates. And, and those last couple of weeks, was, that's what I was doing. And that's where I landed. That's so awesome. Mm -hmm. Just great job. Uh, one last question on this topic, and that is, I'm interested to know if you feel, because you said earlier, like, you know, all the light bulbs started going off and, you know, uh, things are happening now on LinkedIn and whatnot. But um, I'm just curious if you think there's an energy level to you, your presence, your messaging based off of that change. So I guess what I mean is, once you put that in, say your headline or in your profile, you started speaking differently on, on posts and into your customers. Do you think that there's anything uh, from an energy standpoint that, that people could actually feel that? Or is it as simply, you know, is it more subliminal where, yes, I'm putting it out there and people may not even know what they're looking at, but, you know, it's attracting them to me. I, I would say both. There, there's, a, there's a new energy, probably for me, because now I'm speaking more from a point of confidence. I know this is my brand and this is the message I, I need to put out there. So there's a real confident energy behind what I'm saying. But on the other end, the people that I'm talking to, this is a new message. This is a new way of thinking about it. And immediately their eyes light up. Conquering difference. What do you mean by that? Let's, let's dig in. Um, so all of a sudden their energy gets up. Excellent, Dennis. So if you can take us through your entrepreneurial journey, um, you know, in starting your company zero in, yeah. when did that happen? What was the process like? We hear so much about entrepreneurs these days and everyone seems to have their own story. And that's why I love to have these podcast conversations because, you know, we are sharing these unique stories and I'm, and I'm really interested to see how yours came to be. Yeah. But for me, uh, uh, it, it, again, it was a journey uh, to even get to the point of wanting to be an entrepreneur. I, I, I would say in the beginning, um, you know, through my teenage years, my 20s, I, I subscribed to the typical recipe that we're told we're all supposed to follow, right? You, you go to post-secondary, you get a degree, you find a good job, you buy a house, you get married, you save for retirement, and that's the recipe, rinse, repeat. Everybody does it, right? Um, and for the most part, it's a very safe uh, recipe that, that tends to work. Um, and I was a very risk-averse person, so safe sounded good. And uh, that's the recipe I was following. 
I would say until I got into my mid thirties, I started to kind of think, boy, is it, is there more, is this, you know, rinse, repeat Monday to Friday, everything's the same. All there is to life. Is there something more I can do? And in the beginning, I started uh, doing some more volunteer work and, and helping out and giving back to the community. And that was great. Um, but again, that's a small sliver of my time. The majority of my time was still work uh, at a job. And, you know, there's only so much you can do. There's only so much money you can make. There's only so much of a difference you, you can make. Um, and then when I got into my 40s, I really started to ponder, geez, should I start my own business? Should I do my own thing? But again, being this very risk averse, safe person, it was always, nah, maybe later, maybe a semi-retirement thing when it's safe to do it. And then when I was around 42, I believe, um, for the first time ever in my life, I was let go from my job. Yeah. Never happened to me before. I was, I was always the star employee that was getting um, promoted and, and raises and, and so on. And here I was suddenly at a left field, jolted into this, now what? And that's when I decided, boy, um, I've been thinking about this for a few years. And it's always been a no, maybe sometime later. And through some encouragement of my wife, it was, why not now? Give, give yourself a full year, Dennis, and see what happens. At the end of the day, you're not going to have any regrets because if it doesn't work, you can say, hey, I, I really gave it a full year and tried it and um, no regrets and I can go back into the working world. Um, but if I don't do it, I will always have that regret of what if. And here I am now three years in to, to zero in, um, learning lots. It's been an up and down journey for sure, as any entrepreneur goes through. But man, am I ever glad I, I decided to finally take the plunge and, and you know, with some pushing uh, from some divine intervention and my wife, it was okay. Now's the time. Wow. Walk us through that first year, Dennis, how difficult was it or wasn't it? Uh, extremely difficult. I, I think for me, um, I knew, boy, I want to have a consulting company where I can help other businesses. All the stuff that I've learned in, in the corporate world through my jobs working at major corporations and senior leadership roles, I got a lot to offer. I can help companies with leadership. I can help them with strategy. I can help them with innovation. I can, um, but that was my biggest problem was I saw myself as a jack of all trades. What do you need? I, I can help you. And who am I serving? And why do they care? And I quickly found nobody, nobody is looking for a jack of all trades. And if you market and sell yourself as that, why would they go with you? And I had to learn that the hard way. So eventually I had to kind of refine, uh, what do I offer? Who am I offering to? Um, what is my message? And I was really starting to get there. Um, early 2020, things were really taken off. And then I don't know if you heard, but something called COVID-19 came along. <laughs> I did hear and, about that, actually. Yeah. And But again, a bit of a divine intervention for me. I, I had really started to make some headway, had some good uh, clients, had learned a ton, had some money saved up in the bank. And now all of a sudden, all my consulting and training was put on hold. Um, so I said, okay, I've been given this extra time again. Last time I was given a jolt, I started my company. This time, what am I going to do? 
So I reached out to a few different uh, people that I really looked up to as mentors. One of them, uh, his name is Charles Green, and he was the co-author of the best-selling book, The Trusted Advisor. And I, I connected with Charles a few times, and eventually he said to me, you know, Dennis, what really was a turning point for me in my career was when I wrote the book. You've been given some time. You've got a formula of what you do with your clients. And him and I had talked about it quite a bit. He's like, that would be a perfect book to write. Um, so that's what I did during my you know, first several months of, of COVID downtime was put my head down and wrote the book. Wow. And it, it was a huge uh, game changer again for me as well. So I, I don't know if you know, but I help busy people write their first book. It's something I'm very passionate about. So mm -hmm. I'm really curious because it's, as you know, you've been through it already. It's not an easy task. How did you do it on your own or did you have a little bit of help? How did you, how did you make it through? How'd you get it done? All, all kinds of help. Um, again, I kind of went into it very naive, just like when I went into starting zero in, I had this, you know, oh, if you build it, they will come type mentality. Uh, writing the book was kind of, oh, it's okay. I'll just get my thoughts on paper. It'll be, it'll be great. Um, I found myself having to reach out to um, Charles several times to kind of pick his brain on, well, now what? Here's what I've done. What do, what do I do next? Um, reached out to several other people who had written books. And boy, did I have a lot to learn. Probably the biggest thing for me was when I found a really good editor and sent her the manuscript after working with her for a while and she read it and said boy this is great information reads like a textbook mm. uh you know most people are not going to enjoy reading your book and she gave me all kinds of great feedback on how to make it more engaging how to really draw the reader in, how to get them excited to see what's coming in the next chapter and how to lead them along that path and really make this something that's going to inspire and motivate them. So I, I quickly learned once again, boy, I had a lot to learn, but it was only through great mentors and people that really had been there before um, that I could get this book together. If, if I had just done it myself and, and just published it myself, uh, I'm afraid to think of what, what would have happened there. No, and, you know, we love to say, because it is true that it really takes a team of folks to get a really good book out there that obviously if, if you know, if you're a best-selling author and you've done it several times, you might be able to continue to do that. But initially, especially for your first book, um, it takes a team and it's great to hear that you had that team and support to, you know, to guide you through that. Um, and congratulations, because it's a, it's a wonderful achievement to be able to put out a book, 99% of people that set out to write a book, never get it done or published. Mm -hmm. So kudos to you for making that happen. And I think as your friend Charles said, you know, um, it is a game changer, you know, it is a differentiator. And, and I could agree that, you know, for my career, it, it changed the game. Yeah. And the moment the book is published and out, a lot of authors feel like, okay, I'm done with that. In fact, it's just the opposite. It's just yes. the beginning. And I'm yeah. sure you're finding that out as well. It, it, exactly. And, and again, going back to my complete lack of inexperience uh, when it comes to sales, marketing, promotion, and branding, 
uh, was showing again, I'd never marketed and promoted a book before. And again, boy, did I have a lot to learn. And luckily I, I have learned quite a bit uh, over the last uh, six or seven months since the book came out. But uh, yeah, it's it's only through getting that coaching, getting the, those people that have been there before that I realized that, boy, there, there's a lot more to this than I realized. 100%. Mm-hmm. So Dennis, uh, talk to us a little bit about you know, the, and, and this is something I know you, you work with, but what's the two, uh, the, the biggest challenge that all businesses face in your opinion? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and this, uh, again, um, the message has changed after going through David's master class, but really it's, it's companies need to be more customer focused and more innovative. That's what I have found throughout my career in companies I've worked with. Uh, companies I've worked for, uh, you know, clients that I've had. And if you just look at businesses throughout history, the ones that really rise to the top, the ones that stay there long term, they have those two things in common. They really, really invest in knowing who their customers are, why they buy your product or service, what their habits are, what their frustrations are. They invest in knowing their customers. And they have this culture of innovation where let's try something different. Let's find new ways of serving our customers. Let's not have that phrase, this is how we do it around here in our company, right? That's not gonna fly. So they're intentional about being customer centric and innovative. So the biggest problem that businesses face is creating that. And what they end up with is indifferent customers. And they end up with indifferent employees where There's no strong emotional attachment to your company, your business, or your brand. And this is what I help businesses do is is really create that brand that customers love and the company that people are passionate to work for. And do you feel it sometimes takes someone from the outside like you to help businesses actually see these things? Yeah, I I, I mean, for the most part, and and this is human nature, we're, we're inward focused. And we're used to routine, we're used to structure. So after a while, you kind of get the blinders on and this is what I do every day. This is my nine to five. These are the transactions I have to process. These are the, you know, this is my my daily operations. And one of the things I like to kind of show prospective uh, clients or or businesses I'm working with is a a video and you may have seen it on YouTube called uh, The Moonwalking Bear. And this is where there's a group of basketball players and they're passing a basketball around and a narrator comes on and says, hey, count how many times the team in white passes the basketball. And all of a sudden you're locked in and you're laser focused on watching this ball go around and you're counting, you're counting. And then it pauses and says, "Okay, great. How many passes? Eleven. Awesome. You got it. But did you happen to notice the moonwalking bear that walked right in front of your screen? what and then it replays the video and there he comes out waves right in the middle of the camera and does a moonwalk right across the middle of the stream that's a metaphor for what happens with inside businesses we get so in tune with this is what we do every day this is my job this is my process this is this is how we serve our customers there's this moonwalking bear right in front of our face going hey guys there's a better way of doing this Or, hey, guys, did you notice this new opportunity because of what your customers are saying here? 
It's no, no, we got the blinders on. We just got to get through today. Um, so to answer your question, yes, having somebody like me come in from the outside that can see the moonwalking bear in front of your face and pull you back so that you can see it as well makes a huge difference. What a great story. I need to watch that video. <laughs> that is awesome. Uh, you talked about innovation, Dennis, a, a couple of times and the importance of it. But take that a step further to diversity and inclusion. Why is that so important in innovation? Yeah, innovation is, is a tricky one. I mean, there's typically this notion of, okay, we innovate, we, we get people in a room and we say, give us your best ideas. Um, but typically that is not successful. Just gathering a bunch of people in a room saying, okay, guys, let's brainstorm uh, is not a recipe for success. If ideas come out, they're probably the very surface level, same ideas that any group that got in a room would, would come up with, right? It's how do you get down to that next layer? Those ideas that are lying below the surface, uh, like me, what came out of the masterclass with David, how do you unlock those ideas lying underneath the surface that are there? You just don't know how to get to them. And two of the biggest, I'd say, mistakes that a lot of teams or companies make is not having a diverse enough group of people around the table because you want to see things from as many different perspectives as possible. That's where you really unlock a lot of ideas. And then having a culture of inclusion where everybody around that table feels safe to voice their opinion, to voice their ideas without you know, fear of being shunned or, uh-oh, I'm not the loudest voice in the room, so I just, I'll keep my ideas to myself. If you can intentionally have as much diversity around the table as possible, so people from different parts of the organization, people uh, that have been there for different lengths of time, right? People um, from different age groups, different backgrounds, different cultural backgrounds, they're all going to see that same problem slightly differently. And you want that, right? I know it's a little bit of friction or a little bit of, uh, frustration or anxiety in the room at first because people are seeing things differently, but that's what really unlocks new and better ideas. And then as long as everybody feels safe in that room of getting those opinions out, that's when you can really, really uncover those nuggets um, that are lying there below the surface. So how would you recommend a company even get started with something like that? Do they, do they set up a meeting and, and just select people from the organization? How would how would one even go about? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in, in, in the book, I go through this in quite a bit of detail. Um, there's five principles of innovation that I encourage every business to make sure they have at their core. This is how and why we innovate, kind of our core values of innovation. And then here's some best practices that you want to do. But the main thing is it's got to be intentional. Uh, you don't just every once in a while do it. It's a, we're going to do innovation brainstorming on a very regular basis. And we're going to have these principles and practices in place. And we're going to understand that in the beginning, we might really suck at it, but we're going to get better and we're going to learn. And we want to create this culture where we're constantly being creative and coming up with new ideas. So I'd say long story short, uh, it has to be intentional and it has to be supported from the leadership down and then Find different principles and practices that work for you and your company that allow you to be more, more creative and innovative. 
And would you form a committee around this possibly where you have maybe a dozen or so people within the organization providing input? Yeah, that's, that's an interesting um, question. And I, I address this in the book as well. There's the idea of the innovation lab or the innovation committee where it's a select group of people. And that's a very popular approach because it's very easy just to grab a few people and say, okay, this is now your job. It's your job to be innovative. You can do that quickly. You can do that efficiently. And those people can get good at it uh, quite quickly because it's a uh, you know, cohesive group of people. The cons with doing it like that are, this is a separate group. You haven't created a culture of innovation across the company. Mm. You've created an innovation pod. And maybe those people are good at innovating and brainstorming and coming up with new ideas to pilot. But the rest of the organization is still sitting there with their blinders on doing their day to day. And the ideas that come out of the innovation lab or the innovation pod have a real strong chance of being rejected by the rest of the company. Okay. Oh, you, you guys are off over there on an island. You don't really know what's going on. So it's much more difficult, but much more effective if you can create a culture of innovation across the entire company. That's going to take some time. It's going to take different leaders all implementing uh, innovation, brainstorming practices and principles within their team. Um, but over time, if that becomes the culture of the organization, now everybody's more accepting of new ideas, better ideas. Let's pilot this. Let's try that. Um, and ideas don't get shot down so fast. Wow. I'm fascinated. I think, you know, I, I would be really intrigued to be part of something like that. And, mm -hmm. and, and um, it's awesome that you're bringing that type of work to an organization because it is needed across yeah. the board. Uh, I know from my experience in virtually every company I've either worked for or worked with. So Especially awesome. as companies get uh, larger, right? The yep. larger you get, the harder it is to influence a, a culture and to have a culture of creativity and innovation because the tendency over time is as the bigger we get, the more systems and structure we need. And then you start to hear more and more of this is how we do it around here. So my, my encouragement to all businesses is start as soon as you can because it is going to help you grow. And then as you grow, hopefully you can continue to have that culture of innovation. I have one question off of that, that uh, I've, always, I've thought about this for a long time, and maybe you'd be great or best suited to answer this question. If you're an employee at a company and uh, you know, a leader within the organization, you're, you're asking a question, for example, and the leader comes back with that response. This is, this is how we do it. Mm -hmm. How does, how does someone handle that? Like, what do you, what should you do? What's the right thing to do? And um, should you raise your hand on something? Yeah, like that? that, that is probably one of the most popular questions I get asked when I'm working with businesses, because uh, it's a very common dilemma. If there is a leader that is kind of risk averse and very structured, uh, and you've got a group of people below that are trying to influence up to create a culture of innovation, they get very frustrated and, and rightly so. Um, and what you typically have in a lot of, especially larger organizations is this hierarchy of no. The higher up the organization you go, the more uh, responsibility that's on that leader's plate and the more risk that they're carrying. So the more risk adverse they become. So what I advise companies to do is let's try and at least pilot something. 
So the leader immediately is going to see, oh my goodness, how could this go terribly wrong, right? And that's what's causing them to say no, right? They're already envisioning in the future when this gets bigger, when this gets more widespread, this could be a disaster. So the way you get around that is where can we pilot this? Is there a small project we can start with? Is there just one team we can start with? Is there just one customer we can start with? And let's test it out. And then we'll bring you back the results. And then if that's going well, how can we expand it a little bit more? And then that is going to ease the leader's mind to say, okay, that doesn't sound so bad. That's not so risky now. And there might be some reward there. If this is going well, I have some control over how much more widespread do I allow it to get. And, and it diffuses the situation um, and gets you past that hierarchy of no. And I like that because it encourages strategic thinking at all levels. Yeah. Um, if you're approached like that and, or, or if you are the leader, you know, how to be able to work with the folks that are reporting to you to keep that innovation alive. It's, uh, yeah. it's so important to any organization. Yeah. And, I, and I don't think any leader out there intentionally wants to stifle the people below them, but they're in a position. They're in a position with, with responsibilities on their plate and risks that they have to manage. So of course their, their natural tendency is going to want to go, that sounds a little too risky. I'm going to shut that down. Um, but if you can influence up and, and do it through piloting, do it through small uh, projects, uh, that to me, that's the way to go. Dennis, uh, I have to hear this story about your mom's first iPhone. <laughs> what is that all about? Yeah, so this is another kind of story or example I like to give to, to businesses where maybe there is a culture of, of risk averse or, or this is the way we do it around here. So I like to give them the example of my mom and her first iPhone. And so quick backstory first, my mom was a school teacher for 40 plus years, right? Started teaching from the time she was 19 years old, right up into um, her late 60s. She was a school teacher, very uh, prim and proper writing style, communication, you know, where they taught cursive writing and this is how you structure sentences and this is how you communicate. So I was so surprised and delighted when I heard from her that she was getting an iPhone. Wow, that's, you know, something that somebody, uh, you know, in their 70s isn't, you know, typically venturing out to do for the first time when, when they're very structured in their ways. But the first ever text I got from her reminded me how much of a school teacher she was because I get this text and you know, you're, you're used to texting with people all the time. You've been doing it for 10 plus years now and it's quick sentences and, and words that don't even, you know, everything's abbreviated and, and quick, you get it right. Well, I get this like essay form text from my mom, dear Dennis, I just wanted to inform you that I got my very first iPhone. I'm sending you a text. And it was this, you know, very structured sentences, sentences, periods, all the punctuation. And I thought, oh, this is great. My mom's got an iPhone. She's jumping out there, but she still has the old school teacher within her. So I wrote back really quickly. LOL. That's great, mom. Thanks. Uh, THX. And then her response again was, oh, Dennis, you're going to have to teach me how to communicate properly on the iPhone. <laughs> I thought, oh, boy, we, we got some work to do, but at least she's she's branching out there. So. That's I, I, I use that as an example to companies because you're never too late to learn. Yeah. You're never too late. It doesn't mean you have to change who you are, but man, if things are coming at us and our customers are changing, we better adopt because uh, you're, you're just going to blend in or worse, fall off the map if you don't. 
priceless. I love that story. And I definitely could relate um, when my mom, uh, even till today, you know, when she sends me a text, it is pretty formal and <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we just have to chuckle, but uh, that, that's awesome. Okay, let's move into your online course. This is also something that I'm really interested to talk to you about because it's something I'm a part of, as you know, through David and other programs. And I'm really interested to see how that ties into your book and everything you're working on with, um, with your online program. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was quite surprised with the uh, reception that the book got. Originally, when I wrote the book, it was, okay, this will be kind of a business card type thing. It'll be something just to say, I, I've written a book, I've got it behind my name. It does give you some instant credibility and cachet. But boy, uh, people around the world started buying and reading the book. And all oh, that was unexpected. Um I started having people reach out to me from all different countries. Boy, I, I read your book. I'd, I'd love to work with you. Um, and I started having all these conversations with all these different companies. And it was difficult to, can I work with you? What would that look like? Before COVID, everything was kind of, I, I, would, I would be there in person. I would facilitate a bunch of stuff. Um, yes, I can do some things o- over, over Zoom and, and video, but to really get some good innovation brainstorming and stuff going and some of the hands-on tools I like to use and you can see some of them here card decks for innovation that's hard to do over zoom so I thought boy how else can I reach these people or how else can I still work with these people if I can't physically be there and if the book's really resonating and there's a lot more I could go into I guess the next best thing would be a course so I set out and uh, just like I did when I was writing the book had to get a lot of different uh, feedback on how do you do this properly? What works, what doesn't. I even set up beta testers to watch the first several sets of videos that I recorded to give me their feedback. Is this resonating? Is this, is this working? Is this the type of stuff that you would want for your business? And it wasn't until I kind of knew, okay, I've got a recipe here that I went out and did the formal, you know, video shoots with a, with a real uh, videographer and invited eight different experts from around the world to also include their insights into the course. And in the end, um, over 50 videos and over 20 takeaway exercises um, that people can do all about how to build the brand that customers love and the company that people are passionate to work for through being more customer-centric and innovative. Here's strategies, here's tools, here's stories and examples from other businesses around the world that you can apply to your company. Wow. So how do people find out about this? Where, where is it uh, online? Yeah, so I just released it. Uh, um, you can find it on the Zero In website, which is www.zero-in.ca, zero-in.ca. And right on the Zero In website, you'll see a courses uh, uh, drop down menu and on there you can see all about the course uh, the course syllabus is there there's different options you can take the whole course or just different subsections of the course uh, if you only want to learn some innovation principles and practices you can buy just that subset if you want just the customer centric part if you want it all uh, you buy the whole bundle so that's great so it's kind of a la carte style yeah and it's self-paced you have uh, full access lifetime access to to the to the videos and the exercises, you can retake them as, as much as you want. Um, you know, go as fast or as slow as you want. I uh, really wanted to be able to 
anybody that wants to take the course and doesn't either have the time or the budget or the ability to work with me directly, here's a great option for you. Just awesome. Well, best of luck with that. I'm sure it's going to do phenomenal. It's such a um, you know, well thought out. And I love the fact that you, you're bringing in other experts into your program. Mm -hmm. I believe that is a, a good way of teaching to, to hear not only from yourself, but others. So a uh, great job again, and, and everything you're working on, Dennis. A um, couple last questions. The first one, again, because I'm so passionate about books. What do you have to say to people who are thinking about it? They're on the fence. They want to write a book, but they just, you know, they, they're where you were, you know, say a couple of years before you decided to actually do it. What advice would you have for them? I would say that the, the two major turning points for me in the last couple of years, one was starting my business. The other was writing the book. And in both cases, I had all kinds of fear and what if questions in my mind. What I found was whenever I'm now faced with that, that tells me there's something really worth doing. If it's easy, if it's something that's I can see quickly I, I, I can do, boy, is it really worth it? But if I start to get that butterfly in my stomach, if I start to get the, oh boy, this is gonna be hard, am I going to fail miserably? That tells me it's worth putting the time in and it could be great. So anybody out there that's feeling that same, uh, same way, like I think I can have a book, but I've got all these what ifs and I've got all these anxieties, just do it. Find a good coach, find a good mentor, and do it. So what's next for you? I know the online course just came out, but give us a hint on what are you thinking about in the next, say, you know, year to three years mm -hmm. uh, as far as your business is concerned and, and everything else you're working on from your consulting business? Yeah, it's funny. I was having this conversation with my, my wife the, the other night, and even though I look back over the last few years and I've accomplished quite a bit, starting the business, working with all kinds of different clients, writing the book, now releasing the course, I feel like at the end of the day, can I look back on my life and say, I, I really made a difference. And right now, I, I don't feel like that. So I really want to spend the next X number of years making sure that whatever I'm doing is really making a difference and I'm leaving a legacy here, whatever that looks like. So I'm starting to look for more partnerships, people that have a similar um, thought process, similar values. How can we really make a difference in our communities, in the customers that we work with, in the world as a whole, if possible. But um, I really want to spend the next X number of years of my life just serving in any way that I can. That's so awesome. No, I really resonate with that myself and my values. And I so appreciate you and everything you're doing for your family, for the world, uh, for your community. So well done. Um, you kind of stole my last question, or at least half of it, that I ask every guest. And, and that is at the end of the day, um, you know, you still have a lot of work to do, but what legacy do you want to leave behind? You know, what mark do you want to leave on this earth? Um, I, I, I think the first 40 some years of my life were all about personal milestones and now it's about serving and helping others. So I don't know exactly what that looks like, but I know I'll, I'll know it when I see it. 
and it'll feel great when I do it. But the next half of my life is going to be all about others and milestones that tell me I'm helping them, I'm serving them, and I'm making a difference. So I can't fully describe it. I can't put it in a box yet. Um, and maybe I don't have to, but I just want to serve. Wonderful. Dennis Geeland, welcome to the American Real family. Thank you so much for coming on the show today. Uh, it is, uh, you know, great to have met your acquaintance in the, in the masterclass and uh, built a friendship here. I can't wait to follow your career and support you in any way that we can. And thanks so much for coming on. Yeah, thanks so much, Roger. Thanks for tuning into American Real. Be sure to visit our website, AmericanReal.tv, or search for us on iTunes or YouTube for past episodes. While you're there, please rate us or leave us a review as that helps others find our show. I am truly grateful and appreciate all of your support. If you'd like to be part of our inner circle or want one-on-one -on -one coaching, check out the American Real Learning Academy where we have self-help groups and courses so you can build the best you. We also have a new Facebook group where you can connect with high achievers from around the world. If you want to go even further, maybe you're determined to write your own book or launch your own podcast, contact me today to see if we could help. You can reach me through Instagram or Facebook or email me directly at roger at americanreal.tv. Thanks for tuning in and we'll see you next week.